Welcome back to Magic versus Muggle. I'm your Muggle host, Courtney Smith. I'm your Magic host, Alex Gallagher. And today we have a special guest with us, Miss Beth Evans, who represents the Muggle side with me. So she'll be a little bit more on my side this time. So Alex is on her own. Uh, Beth, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about your experience with Harry Potter? Yeah. So um, let's see. My first experience with Harry Potter was probably when the movie came out and I was in college and I went and watched it and loved it. So I immediately went and got the book, read the first book, read the second book, watched the second movie, and then that was it. And that was however long ago those movies came out. Um, I will, I think life got in the way of my reading, to be honest. And um, for a long time, I didn't read anything. And I would say for the last five years, I've gotten back into reading, but it's never been anything. I guess I thought it was too juvenile or just not something I would really enjoy. And it seems very, um, a large commitment to go through all those books. And I'm definitely (laughs) one that has to do it from start to finish. So, um, anyway, of course you guys and Ashley helped me realize I should give it a try. And so now I've read the first book and it is interesting reading it after seeing the movie and reading it one time before. So I was definitely reading into it more than I would have in the past, but um, I've enjoyed it. Good. All right, good. Let's dive in and talk about it. So we are picking up from where our last episode left off. So we had finished through chapter six, uh, right when they got to Hogwarts. So we'll start off with chapter seven um, and the ceremony of the sorting hat. Great. Okay. And so now we have to ask, what is your house? <laughs> I already know the answer. That's yes, I know. Y'all all laugh at me. I'm a Hufflepuff. And proud and of I'm it. And I'm going to own it. Right? There's yeah. nothing wrong with a Hufflepuff. I looked it up and um, the, I don't know if it's spirit animal, whatever it said, was a badger. And I'm like, yeah, that, that pretty much describes me. Really calm and nice until I'm not. <laughs> so don't cross me. Okay. Just think I'm nice. Yeah, nice. You, you project that appearance of friendly and nice, yes. and then you're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my whole family would agree with that too. So, <laughs> and I think we talked about ours last time, but just since we're on this chapter, so yep. Alex, Gryffindor. I am a Gryffindor. Um, I don't know that my bravery or courage has ever been put to the test, but maybe it's just deep down within me. Who knows? Okay. So right. And I am Ravenclaw, so which I definitely identify with. I'm just like the intelligence side and like just always that strive for knowledge and that sort of thing so yeah okay so let's talk about Harry and the Sorting Hat and um uh, first of all so oh yeah Alex I was hoping you could shed some light on this Um, just we've talked a lot about like her names of characters and places and things like that and how there's meaning in them Um, so do you have any further meaning to the actual names of the houses I don't, um, the names of the houses are, they're the last names of the people who founded the houses. So like Slytherin, Salazar Slytherin, and I believe they were the founders of Hogwarts and there were four of them. And obviously it just naturally fell into the four houses then that they represented and they were able to identify with however, whatever qualities that they possessed and that they admired in an individual would be the qualities that they sought in other people to join those houses. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I had made just a couple notes, just uh, again, kind of the, the names, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like in Gryffindor, I noticed it's Griffin, mm-hmm. and a Griffin is, you know, a mythical creature, but strong, brave, mm-hmm. right? Um, Slytherin kind of seems a little snake-like. Snake-y. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and cunning, evil. Mm-hmm. Um, Ravenclaw, like oh, ravens, mm-hmm. um, intelligent, wise, I guess. Um, and what is the Hufflepuff? Hufflepuff? Okay, so get this. You're going to like this one. <laughs> so this is purely me conjecturing, but Hufflepuff made me think of Hufflepuffs and Woozles. Like Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh. Hufflepuffs and Woozles. So I said a Hufflepuff was an elephant, and elephants are tried and true. Okay. okay. They stand by, right? Okay. All right. I see you. Yeah. Elephants are super loyal. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. They, like, try to treat yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. They stick to their people. So, I like yeah, it. I think I of, whenever I think of Hufflepuff, I kind of think of like cotton candy and oh, just yeah. cuddly yeah, and, and soft puffy for and, sure. puffy and, and, and yeah. what's the, the house ghost or something? It's a fryer. fryer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's kind of round and puffy. <laughs> yeah. So. <There> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, okay. So my next note is, um, find it a little hard to believe that none of the first years know about the sorting hat. Yeah, like, like, do they not have older siblings? Right, yeah. Or like, their parents? Definitely has but it almost yeah. seems like they're trying to trick them yeah. to think it's, like, this scary initiation. Yeah. And, um, oh, you know, maybe it's point. part of, like, a secret. Like, I don't know if y'all are in sororities or it whatever. Was, but when yes. it's initiation night, like, you don't know anything. Yeah, don't and everybody anything. goes in with all these myths and expectations. And then it ends like up being totally to drink wrong. owl blood or yes. something. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> to where then you're there and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't have to... Sit it, in the coffin. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't Ron nervous about it? Yeah, Ron was. And there, there is a line where Ron says, like, um, he says, like, I'm going to kill Pete and George because they had made him think it was this big scary thing. Yeah. So I figured, like, maybe that's the idea is, like, everybody talks it up as this big thing. But I still find it surprising that nobody leaked it. That, yeah, like, that is surprising. None of them seem yeah. to know. But, yeah. Um, Especially Draco because he was kind of all high and mighty. And even he kind of it gave off a vibe of discomfort or unease Mm -hmm. i loved i made a note about the sorting hat right and he mentions that it's like a worn out old worn out hat um and that may be related to like maybe there's a story behind that and where it comes from um you you can elaborate if not but but my point that i was going to make is um i just like how that expresses the idea of like intelligence over beauty yeah like it's not this beautiful like expensive hat like it's Mm -hmm. an old worn out hat um but it is smart right it puts puts them in their houses and also like to me it kind of expresses that theme of like you know yeah smart and intelligent over beauty Mm -hmm. or riches or anything and that's interesting because when i thought um old and beat up i just think of like it's lasted the test of time that it's consistent like it will never change or vary in its calculations or it's sorting to where it sticks to exactly what it is it's never it's the same hat from the beginning from right. forever right. yeah yeah and which means that it same process that me- doesn't mean like over time it's kind of altered with the generation it's just this is definitely what you are they don't hit the 20th century and get a digital hat exactly <laughs> there's no app for that <laughs> exactly um which leads me to my next question where did the hat come from I feel like I knew at one point and I actually don't remember. I know that there is a section on Pottermore from the archives that I had mentioned before. I'll get back to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, like, I will do put a spell on it or something to 
I think it's or definitely like a, bewitched. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's and, origin. Yeah, I wonder who did that. You know, was that Dumbledore or does it or I mean, obviously predates them, yeah. Dumbledore? It would absolutely predate Dumbledore. He would have probably been sorted, sorted. by that hat. So as the sorting ceremony begins, right, or, or goes on and it gets to Harry, um, well, before even Harry, like, you know, all the other kids, they get in there and it takes them a minute or so, but like it says even in the book that um, that he he picks their houses pretty quickly. And then it gets to Harry and he says, difficult, very difficult, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, and you can add without ruining anything, but I think this speaks to Harry, like some of the things we don't know about Harry, right? That he mm -hmm. isn't just Gryffindor. He isn't, you know, just Slytherin or, or any of the houses that he has kind of these characteristics of. Ah, there's so much I want to say about that. I can't. <laughs> so, well, yeah, it also you know. goes back to the wand to being from um, the same Phoenix that, what's his name? Voldemort, Voldemort was from, which was from Slytherin, right? Right. Yes. So, yeah. so maybe it's that, that connection yeah. that we don't know yet. Uh -huh. Alex knows well, and isn't there us. a line in there somewhere um, where it talks about many great wizards came from Slytherin? They didn't necessarily do good things, but they were all great. So maybe it is just the hat knowing that he was so great. great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it had to be one or the other, not a Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying powerful <laughs> wizards don't come out of Hufflepuff? It doesn't sound like it. Was it no, Maybe the friendly oh, ones, okay. the friendly wizards came from Hufflepuff. Newt's commander was. Okay, I was going to say, I know we mentioned somebody that was Hufflepuff that we talked about. But, Good old um, Newt. Okay, so I yeah. did just look it up, and uh, the four founders uh, jointly enchanted the hat so that all of the students would be sorted according to their core principles. And it, the Sorting Hat is one of the cleverest enchanted objects most witches and wizards ever encountered. It literally contains the intelligence of all four founders. So that's pretty interesting. I mean, mm -hmm. it gives it that ancient effect and mm -hmm. kind of all-knowing, mm -hmm. which is kind well, of Well, and then it, you know, I mean, does anybody really truly fit all those principles? And so, I don't know, was Harry the first one that the hat came across that, he wasn't certain which one he belonged mm -hmm. to. So, yeah, that's a good point. And do you think Harry's one thing that picked me out uh, or that I picked up on in that scene was, you know, Harry the whole time is going, please not Slytherin, please not Slytherin. And so he's like, oh, okay, fine then, Gryffindor. So do you think that swayed the hat or do yeah, you I think it was just, like, yeah, yeah, I think so, definitely. And if you honestly, in my perspective, it's interesting you'd say that there's, would, someone not fit the mold for two different houses because in my opinion the three main characters so ron harry and hermione i mean hermione is so clever and so intelligent i feel like she would be a split between ravenclaw and gryffindor ron super loyal he's harry's right hand man mm -hmm. forever i would say that he's a combo of hufflepuff and gryffindor and then i mean this was already pointed out about Harry split between Slytherin and Gryffindor. So maybe the three of them together encompass what Hogwarts truly is. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Hmm. We'll talk oh, about that later a good with point. the challenge of what's coming up. Mm -hmm. I also just really appreciate with the sorting hat. It has a full year to come up with like a new song <laughs> for opening day of Hogwarts. For oh, does it have a new song? 
every year? That's fantastic. Does it not? Or maybe it's... I don't know. We, we only know the first year. <laughs> oh, I, I thought it said that it had an original song or someone briefly mentioned. And am I wrong? I don't remember. Huh. I, don't I do like, I like the song. Yeah. There's a little song. I made a note about the song, but... Um, it's catchy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my next note is... Oh, um, when Dumbledore... He says, welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words. And here they are. Nitwit, blubber, oddman, <laughs> So I just made a note. Like, it obviously sounds like just gibberish. But I'm wondering if there's actually some meaning behind that. That, like, they just don't know it yet. No, I think it's just gibberish. Just and I think joke. it's just like, him being silly yeah. and kind of being like, I mean, I'm sure these little first years are so scared that he's just trying to bring a little fun yeah. into I it so that they're, so yeah, so that they're not terrified. Yeah. Um, so then we get introduced to the house ghosts, right? Um, and the first one is um, Nearly Headless Nick. Yes. Um, Sir Nicholas Demenzi. And so I made a note. I actually tried to look it up, but I just wonder if you know, is there any real world connection to that? character like is it based on anyone uh not to my knowledge did you did you look it up i didn't find anything i looked okay i looked for like a sir nicholas that might be famous and i didn't see anything so so my next question is um in this scene so harry uh so this is when they're still eating right and harry Mm -hmm. looks up at the table where the professors are sitting Mm -hmm. um and uh, let's see, says, uh, it happened very suddenly. The hook-nosed teacher, Snape, mm-hmm. looked past Quirrell's turban, straight into Harry's eyes, and a sharp, hot pain shot across the scar on Harry's forehead. Ouch, Harry replies. So obviously, you know, we're led to, this is part of what's leading us to think that it's Snape, right? Yeah. Um, but, um, but it just made me think of, like, from here and throughout the book, every time that he thinks it's Snape, and, like, recognizing that Quirrell is always there as well. Yes. Right. And so, you know, and so I'm not ruining anything because we know at this point we've read the book, but um, that every time like he thinks it's Snape that there's, you know, the Corell's right there. And so I just noted that, that he says, you know, that's like Corell. the only clue. Yeah. yeah there's mm-hmm. no other leading. And I thought it was interesting that he says he looks past Corell's turban. Turban. Right. Yeah. So he like, specifically mentioned mm-hmm. or she, like, the writer. So she yeah. did come. Yeah. Look like Corell had turned it, yeah. around, I think. And so mm-hmm. like it is the. Turbans so it, was he turned around because Voldemort was looking at Harry? Good question. I think he turns to talk to someone, typically. Mm-hmm. Was talking to a teacher. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I think it's just the way that they're positioned because he's talking mm-hmm. to Snape. So Snape is looking. A little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing, uh, Dumbledore, he says, um, and finally, I must tell you that this year, the third floor corridor on the right-hand side is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to die a very painful death. So I made a note of, like, why mention it <laughs> without giving, like, reason? Because even, um, is it, yeah, Percy says it's odd because he usually gets a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And so it just stood out to me again, and especially, like, as foreshadow, knowing what's behind that, you know, what's there. Um, yeah that there are clues throughout the book that it's almost like he's, he's saying, don't go there. But it's also a hint, but he's also hinting, right. go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and he, the way he hints would kind of only stand out to the brave Gryffindors in a way to where it's like, unless you want to like 
experience the crazy, dangerous mystery yeah. behind the door, which I we mean, draw to the Gryffindor. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's also kind of reminds me of like cartoons from when I was younger saying like, don't touch the red button. You don't know what it does, but it's like that mystery is what lures someone in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I liked, so they end the dinner with the school song and I love the idea that it had words, but it was like, everybody just sing to your own tune. Oh, yeah. And like, then they finish at their own pace and all. And like, so I just picture in my head, like everybody singing these same words, but to very different tunes. And so like, I see Ron in my head, like he's sitting there jamming to like rock music, you know, yeah. and Hermione's like classical and, you know. Um, yeah, That's so, so true. And it's yeah. elements like that that remind you that this was written for, for children. Kids, yes. Yeah. To where it's like certain el like elements like that and at the very beginning when Dumbledore was like, well, let me say a few words. It, those yeah. are silly things that – Give it a little bit of humor that you don't really how, find throughout the how series. How old is Harry? 10? 12, 11. I know he's having his birthday, but I'm yeah. just how old are first years? Okay. So they are very young. I was saying in the beginning. I know it was his birthday. birthday. Yeah. Uh, so then we get the character of Peeves. Oh, love Peeves. He's so, so yeah, and I just made a note that the name obviously, like, reminded me of, like, Pet Peeves. Pet Peeves. Mm -hmm. Or to be peeved. Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, so obviously he Describes him well. Yeah. 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 And exactly. I wonder, like, obviously, I'm assuming the students gave him that name. Because he's a poltergeist. He's not a ghost. Oh, right. So, I mean, I don't know much do. about he ghost lore. Mm -hmm. and interact with them. Yeah. So ghosts can't. Ghosts are the spirits or souls of people who have passed. Mm -hmm. Are poltergeists also? Or are they just kind of like? I don't know. Honestly. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew more about like ghost lore. So is it? Actually. Is he not a person? He's not a person. No, he's a he's, poltergeist. He's poltergeist. Huh. So he's like a ghost, but he can actually move objects. Okay. Yeah. So they can see but, him sometimes yeah. if he wants them to, and he looks like a person. Just kind of like the ghosts, I think. Yeah. Was my understanding from? Okay. From hmm. Did you think he was alive? Person. Well, no, I thought he would be like the other ghosts, just mm -hmm. like a normal ghost, ghost. <laughs> that looks like I a think, person, I like a picture so. yeah, of a man. Yeah, that's like, how yeah, uh -huh. I pictured him as a well, you kid, were just, but, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, oh, yeah. I pictured him to kind of be like the Weasley twins. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, just yeah. kind of mischievous up to questionable antics. Well, and it seems like he likes to tattle, too. I feel like mm -hmm. there was a few things. So he's oh, always yeah. like just that one that's peeving, you know, like – Oh my gosh, it's him. What's he going to do to us? He's yeah. either going to annoy us or he's going to get us in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, like a pesky little brother. Or <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. Very true. Exactly. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I love the name though. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I am sad. I didn't realize that until you mentioned it, that he's not in the movie. No, he's not. Oh, I wish. They could have done so much with that. Mm -hmm. We'll talk more about that in our next podcast <laughs> when we talk about the movie. Um, so end of this chapter, chapter seven, ends with Harry having the dream. I don't know if y'all remember this, but so Harry has the dream, um, uh, and let's see, he's wearing Professor Corell's turban. More um, foreshadowing. Um, yeah, he's wearing his turban, which kept talking to him, telling him he must transfer to Slytherin at once because it was his destiny. Da, da, da. Um, 
And so I just put, was it a dream or do you think that Voldemort's? Yeah, that's that some sort of like spell that was, you know. Yeah, that was my thought too. Head. I think that was not in Harry's head. That was put in Harry's head. Um, and what? So, but then it makes you think if if that's the case, then why does Voldemort want him in Slytherin? You know, does he want to team up with him? I think that's probably because he really, for whatever reason, and this goes back to the history that we don't know, and Alex is being very quiet right now. Um, <laughs> He recognizes his power, and right. I think if he thinks he's trained with Slytherin, that maybe he could convert him to his side, right? As opposed to Gryffindor, which is kind of because right now I, I see as evil, I almost, almost see him now as he wants to destroy Harry. Obviously, he tried to once. It sounds like. So why would he want him in Slytherin? Wouldn't he eas- more easily destroy him in Gryffindor? I don't know. Yeah. Because to me, if he was in Slytherin, they'd be on the same side, or more likely to become on the same side. Yeah. Good point. Or maybe that's plan A is this, plan yeah. B is this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we'll find out more later. <laughs> it's amazing. Once you guys have read book seven, you'll listen back to this and be like, dang, I was on to something. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Or ah, six. No, seven. Yeah, seven. Final answer. All right, moving on to chapter eight. So I made a note after it talks about the 142 staircases, some of them rickety, some of them were vanishing steps, and then they move. And I said, what kind of place is this for children? <laughs> like, a hazardous place. very hazardous yes. school. But you know when uh, poor Neville came off his broom and, like, he broke his arm, yeah. but they had it fixed in, like, 30 minutes. Like, yeah. it wasn't broken anymore. So yeah. I wonder if there are more accidents on the stairs. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> The school nurse is always always busy, I'm sure. (laughs) But speaking of Neville falling off their broom, last episode, Courtney pointed out and made fun of the putter-outer. What did you think of the remember-all? Oh, yeah. So, well, that's that's a note. Oh, okay. (laughs) Jumped it, but I'll I'll get to it. Yeah. um, I definitely made a note about that, too, that it was a very silly name. (laughs) And and really, like, it, it doesn't tell you what you've forgotten, does it? No, no, it just tells you <laughs> you, you forgot, forgot something. something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it reminds me of, like, yeah, people used to say, tie, tie a, string a string around your finger, finger so yeah. you know you remember what it's like. But then you see the string, and you're like, I don't remember what yeah. I forgot to remember, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the, the remember-all name aside would have been cool if it actually could show you, like, an image yeah, of, like, like, a crystal ball your, to, like, jog right, your memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, your, you know, textbook so you remember, oh, I was supposed to study or, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, to jog your memory. But, but yes, I did make a note about the name. It was a little silly. Um, Mrs. Norris. So Mrs. Mrs. Norris, um, the cat. And I said, is she an animagus? And I got the word now. You did. Or more like a familiar. So I don't know if y'all know familiars. Um, she is not an animagus. She's but no, I think it's just his pet cat. Okay. Well, she with a really formal a name. She, um, okay, so familiar is like, um, I just know this from Charmed, right? But they had a cat that for the most of the season seemed like a cat, um, but when needed could transform into human form. Hmm. Um, and it was basically just like a protector. So, hmm. like, it would stay with them yeah. and be with them, and it was kind of, you know, okay. when needed could protect them. So that's kind of why I said, like, Miss Norris, she does seem to be just a cat, but she also is kind of always around 
when like when they're sneaking around and stuff. And I mean, maybe that's just cat sense, you know, but but I also just wondered if there was more to hmm. to her. See, and maybe this is just my dislike of cats, but I always thought like Mrs. Norris was kind of a jerk and just kind of a tattletale and like she was just kind of creeping on students being like, I've got my eye on you mm-hmm. and I don't like her. <laughs> I know it's just a cat and just an animal, but I don't like her. I'd rather take Fang. Yeah. Or Fluffy. Or Fluffy. Yeah. Heck yeah, I'd take Fluffy. <laughs> as a guard dog, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Not um, as a lap dog. <laughs> no, no. So moving on to the teachers and the classes that they teach. So I have made a note again about like how names kind of seem to have meaning and even like the teachers that are described and what they teach. Yes. So like herbology, um, obviously we are talking about spore, mm-hmm. right? But even the description, she's, um, she yeah. um, kind of described as dumpy little, um, which reminded me of like a witch. And I thought like witches cook with herbs and stuff. And mm-hmm. That sort of thing. And then history of magic is taught by the, the ancient ghosts, right? So mm-hmm. ancient history, history. boring mm-hmm. to me at least. Um, the charms class is taught by a little guy who could be a leprechaun. Hmm. Perhaps. Um, like then, lucky charms? Yeah. Leprechaun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like a little leprechaun. Um, or just leprechauns in general are yeah. for having charms, right? Gotcha. Um, and then this is the most interesting one. So the Transfiguration taught by Professor McGonagall, um, who is the strictest teacher of them all, um, but can literally change into an animal. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was interesting that the strictest one is the one that, like, can be an animal. And we tend to think of, like, animals being more wild. Oh. Right. Or at least I do. And so, like, they're more wild and, you know, wild-natured and don't really follow rules animals don't have rules per se and so i just thought that was interesting that the strictest teacher is the one that can literally transform into an animal very true just just an interesting anecdote so is that something that that's an animagus yes okay and not many or all wizards can do that correct okay yeah not everyone special and it's just something you have in yeah Mm -hmm. okay moving on so the next thing i noticed um when they talk about um Harry's reading the Daily Prophet. He's talking about the Green Gods break in, right? And we know that just before Hagrid had gone in and removed the Sorcerer's Stone. And so I just made a note that this is kind of what we talked about last time, but this is proof that Dumbledore can see some future, right? He knows because he knew that somebody was going to try to take that, you know? And so he had Hagrid get the stone for him. So, Mm -hmm. um, So, yeah, I just thought, like, you know, proof that he can see or can or, see the future or, or knows somehow some or someone events. tipped him off. Yeah. Tipped him off. Yeah. Yeah. And like we yeah. talked about last episode, I mean, he kind of gives off this like just all knowing, like, I, I don't know if it's just like if he has like a legion of informants or if he's just that powerful, but he kind of knows the ins and outs outs of like even the most minuscule things that happen. Draco. Something about Draco. No, Draco. Draco. I do not like Draco. So, first of all, the name. Sounds like Drano. <laughs> Drano. <laughs> He's well, and Draco, dragon, Malfoy, malicious. Oh. Like a malicious dragon. Oh, oh that's fitting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fitting. Here's my note. Remember all. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Draco. 
I don't know, seems to be definitely being talked up as the kind of antagonist in this book, other than Corel, of mm-hmm. course. But, yeah. Um, for the moment, like he's the the bully, right? right. Um, so I'm just interested to see what changes he's going to go through. Well, this was one of my notes. So I don't remember where in the story, I know it's later, but um, was it Dumbledore talking to Harry, talking about Snape's relationship with Harry's dad? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I think Hagrid or maybe it was Hagrid. Maybe it was Hagrid. Later but so Snape says. and Harry's dad, it sounded like had a very similar, like um, they were antagonists. Struggle. Each other. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. And one was Slytherin, one was Gryffindor, and it sounds like very competitive relationship, really had a lot of dislike for each other. And then they said that, you know, Harry's dad did the worst thing you can do in Snape's eyes, which was save his life. Mm-hmm. And so I almost wonder if this Draco-Harry thing is kind of mirroring the Snape, um, the Snape and Harry's father. And like maybe it's starting off like this, and it probably builds, but then something happens that will bring them together or on the same side. So, hmm. so either Harry will save Draco or Draco will right. save Harry, right? Be like the reverse, right? Or some maybe not save him, but something, something will happen yeah. to make him not seem as right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Professor McGonagall. 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 Minerva. Uh, so this is when she um, she sees Harry blind and then she goes to Wood. She's like, I found your secret. So I just made a note, like, again, going back to how they say she's the sternest one, but she'll break the rules when yeah. it's fitting, you know? Yeah. Not often, but – and otherwise I think she's pretty fair, if not more strict on her own house. But if you like Quidditch, she does not mess around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two character notes. We don't have to spend a lot of time elaborating on these, but I just put – at this point, Hermione is your classic goody goody. Mm-hmm. Always know it all. Up. Yeah, yeah. know it all and always you know, sucking up. And then Malfoy's a coward. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think Malfoy's also very jealous. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know what his family life like is yet. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think he probably has a lot of insecurities too that that's part of the reason why he's going after Harry, who's like the most loved kid in the school right now, yeah. it seems. Probably up until this point, he was used to being top dog. Right. And now he's being shown up by mm-hmm. a kid who didn't really do anything to grasp that mm-hmm. superiority. Like, that was right. definitely more thrust upon him. He didn't ask for it. I agree, though. I think he's definitely jealous. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the spell that Hermione uses to open the door. Aloha Mora. Mm-hmm. Aloha Mora. Um, so I looked that up, okay. and you can actually re- connect it back to a West African word. And I didn't write the word down, but it was very similar. But the West African word means friendly to thieves. Which oh, makes sense. Open the door. Interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then, awesome. like I said, I didn't write down the word, but it was very similar. It was something uh-huh. like Alamora or something like that. So mm-hmm. I just thought that was very interesting. Um, likewise, another just connection to, you know, um, History, Cerberus. Um, uh, we just talked Fluffy. I was like, we just talked. Oh, Fluffy, the three-headed mm-hmm. dog, is Cerberus from Greek mythology. Cerberus oh. was the three-headed dog in Greek mythology okay. that guarded uh, the gates to hell. 
Interesting. So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting connection. It just makes you realize how much thought and research goes in to a book, especially oh, yeah, one that has so much um, fictional characters and right. spirits oh, yeah. and all of right. that. Like, and she's created this whole world. Right. I mean, because if you say, room. hey, come up with a brand new word, even if it, mm-hmm. it's just a name for someone, like, where, where do you begin? Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't think I could come up with a word without having another word to think of first. So I love that they're kind of intentional and... I don't know. I bet there's more of those in other languages too. Yeah. Did you look up any other of the spells? Or? Not yet. So yeah. apparently in a lot of the translations, because this book has been translated into all the languages, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of that is lost. And a lot mm-hmm. of the wordplay is lost. And mm-hmm. the names that you've pointed out and just a lot of things like that are just oh, kind yeah, of like – yeah, because they don't. No. Yeah. And – there are specific things that I'll point out in different books that in the translations that they had to change and alter things so that the wordplay would fit. All right, moving into chapter 10. So my next question is, um, so Harry gets the broomstick, the Nimbus 2000 from McGonagall. Um, and so it just made me think of like, why did she help him? Because she's a Gryffindor through and through. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, she wants them to win, right? So Well, but she know. also showed up, you know, when they were giving him to the Dursleys as a baby, right? Oh, true. I think she's also personally invested in yeah, him. Yeah, in him. So okay. I don't know yeah. if she had a close relationship with his parents or, or if it was just the whole wizard world when that tragedy happened. But she showed up then just to make sure to hear if the rumors were true. True, yeah. And, I thought about that. Um, I feel like she made a comment about, are you sure this is the right place to leave him or something? Yeah, she was very concerned with the fact that, because she was like, these are the worst of the worst kind of muggles. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Well, also just because um, she said that she's sick of losing to Slytherin especially. They've lost, I think it said the last seven years, Mm -hmm. the Quidditch Cup and the house cup to to Slytherin. So she doesn't want to lose anymore. Okay. All right. Thank you, live audience. I was about to say, for those (laughs) listening, that was from our live audience member uh, who's with us. Um, We don't have to elaborate on this, but I just, I think it's worth saying. So they talk about the Quidditch match that lasted three months, and I just put how bad were their seekers. (laughs) It took three months. Um, They were nearsighted. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Uh, so about halfway through chapter 10, um, when they're going through their lessons and stuff and like, um, I think this is particularly when, um, yeah, Hermione makes the feather lift or whatever. And like, yeah. Um, (laughs) that I just made a note of like, I think early on, even with the classes that they're establishing the different strengths of Harry, Hermione, and Ron, which comes up later, of course, in the challenge, and they mm-hmm. each have their kind of knowledge areas. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was nice foreshadowing that mm-hmm. she kind of establishes those strengths. Yeah, because to add to that. she was kind of the one of the first ones that could do the levitating, levitating. right? Mm-hmm. But then the broom scene, like Harry, it just right, just yeah, he jumped into his like, arms, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then obviously Ron knows the chess, you know, and yeah, you know, and right. keeps, yeah. yeah. Um, my okay. honestly, that probably is one of my favorite things that I quote more often than I should. 
Leviosa. Not Leviosa. Yes. <laughs> I love it. It's so sweet. Leviosa. It is, yeah. It's very, very Hermione, right? Yes. Um, uh, so just an interesting fact. I don't know if y'all know this, but later when the troll um, comes, right, and um, he goes into the bathroom where Hermione is, right, um, but it's kind of canon in fantasy lore that trolls um, have more anger towards women towards oh, females really? so like it makes sense that he would go towards horror instead of like because they were right down the hall right mm -hmm. they saw this but the troll didn't come towards them it went towards horror mm -hmm. um and so it is kind of canon in a lot of fantasy literature and and games and stuff like that that trolls have a uh, dislike of women and so they'll attack them interesting first That's really interesting i had no idea yeah so anyway just a thought um and then again, here's some foreshadowing that they have to work together to defeat the troll. Like, again, kind of showing what's going to happen later, yeah. right? Um, all right. Moving on. We'll go through this quicker. Uh, chapter 11. So I made a note of, he says, um, oh, where does he say it? Oh, it was really lucky that Harry had Hermione as a friend. He didn't know how he'd have gotten through all his homework with her, without her. Is she doing his homework for him? <laughs> I think maybe more of a study group situation. Okay, say that. <laughs> I mean, they're not all in Ravenclaw, but yeah. they're not cheating because they're not Slytherin. Stereotype. True, <laughs> true. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I'm at next note. So I had said uh, this is when um, uh, he sn he notices Snape has the like wound on his leg, right? Um, and of course he assumes that it's because he was trying to get to the stone, which we know that he wasn't. So I was trying to connect, like, after I finished the book and I know what was going on, like, so why was he I, there? I'm still confused about why he was there. Yeah. And I'm still confused on when he, he goes, he knows something's up with plural. Mm -hmm. But what does he know right. versus what does he not know? And, and the troll and the dog bite, I don't know. I just... Well, Snape, I mean, I believe it's Hagrid that says Snape's one of the professors trying to protect it. So mm -hmm. maybe he suspected Quirrell of going to get it because he uh, kind of seems a little <laughs> on edge with Quirrell anyhow. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that was him like following Quirrell or maybe like okay. trying to see how, like testing it out, saying like, okay, how easy would it be for someone? Oh, that's true. Like, I hadn't thought about that. preemptively like, testing the alarm system right yeah that kind of makes sense because because i thought too like like you're saying that he, maybe he was following corell but then why didn't corell get injured by the dog you know like if snape did obviously he didn't figure he didn't know at that point to put him to sleep mm -hmm. so but maybe mm -hmm. like you just said maybe he was testing it out to see you know hmm. would it be hard to get through him so anyway just something i thought of okay um, I kind of grazed over most of the Quidditch match. Did y'all have any notes or anything you wanted to talk about with Quidditch? I will say the first the first time I read through it and even saw the movie, I was so confused on how this game works. Like, I never <laughs> thought it was like, like, I just thought it was so out there. Nobody would ever really understand it. Well, then I hear there's like real Quidditch and all this. So this time when I read it, I paid closer attention to the rules and all okay. that. So in my head now, it's basically like soccer or basketball. And exactly. so you have... Right. You have people trying to score, except there's three rings they have to score through, and there's a goalie, right? And um, and then you add in the bludger balls that knock them off their brooms, so that makes a little obstacle. And then it, the seeker, to me, is just like the time clock. Mm -hmm. 
Like, yeah. There's no time clock. That yeah. is the time that clock. The time so clock. it yeah. ends whenever they catch the seeker. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? The, the, twi- the snitch. The snitch. The snitch. The snitch. Yeah. yeah, it ends when they catch the snitch, and it, I guess at that point, whoever's winning wins. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes the game much more interesting because yeah. unlike soccer or basketball where you know when time is running out, like they have no idea. Like they're just well, playing. That, it's like and it's it not, could end whenever. Yeah. You know? And can you imagine like, I bet it would be so fun to watch them because you're not just waiting for someone to score or 50 fits or whatever. Like yeah. when people are getting knocked up from right there. Yeah. The little other well, balls. I bet it's, it's so not just entertaining. The, the game ends at that point because the snitches were 150 points oh. by itself, which... I mean, so they so get points for winning comes, and come, comes catching into the play. And yeah. Well, that's true because I guess you could catch the snitch and still lose the game. Yeah. Okay. Probably if you've been playing for three that's months. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's a three month game. Yeah, I'm sure that's they had crazy. racked up enough points. Yeah. But, like, that's you funny. know, in this one particularly, they make a point of it ended so quickly that, yeah, that 150 points was the game winner. Right? Yeah. So, huh. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, you get not 150 points for the house. No, it's 150, 150 points, points on the score. in the game. Yeah. So you pretty much win anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um, except for the three minutes. I see what you're saying. Though. Unless you're down like 160 to nothing, yeah. chances are you'll win. You're going to win, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, in the next chapter, um, so first thing I made a note of is early on when Ron is playing with Hermione, and he has wizard chess, and they t- say his chess set is old, right? Um, but then later when they pay- play with the life size, like the pieces that are broken are discarded and have to be replaced with new ones. So I just questioned, like, how is Ron's uh, set old? Because wouldn't he have to be replacing those new piece- those pieces? So I would assume that Ron's has been passed down, and even though the pieces break from being wizard's chest, uh, that more experienced witches and wizards are able to repair them using magic. Mm-hmm. And so at, maybe after yeah. the game is over, they're able to just swish and flick, and everything's put back together. Whereas they're pursuing the Sorcerer's Stone, so they're not exactly focused on fixing the pieces necessarily down there and maybe that's beyond um harry hermione and ron's skill set at that point in time well then how does ron keep fixing his chess set because they play several times maybe they find a helpful teacher i bet they just go back to normal that's my guess anyway is that once the game is over it's been bewitched to automatically well and it could be yeah that it's just a different like because the one in the challenge at the end was by McGonagall put that together, so maybe she designed it that way or something that they didn't heal or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's a small detail, but um, so this next question, Alex, is specifically for you to answer. Um, okay. When he gets the invisibility cloak, and he has the note about your father left this to me, use it well. So I just wonder, are we going to get more of that story? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, we find out about, I mean, he uses the invisibility cloak a lot, and you get a lot more background on the cloak itself. Okay. All right, so then we get to the mirror of Erised. Is that how y'all would pronounce it? Erised? Um, Which, uh, so this is a question for anybody, because, like, I immediately, when it, um, it says there's an inscription carved across the top, um, I guess it's the, like, I do a lot of escape rooms, and so, like, my mind always thinks puzzles, so I immediately thought, well, read that backwards. 
And so I read it backwards and read what it said. But I know I talked to some people who said they never even thought to read that backwards. I would so. not have ever thought to read it backwards. I would have never thought to either. But yeah. you mentioned it to me before okay. I read that part. What yeah. does that it, it says? So if you read it backwards, it says, I show not your face, but your heart's desire. And then said is also desire, desire backwards. backwards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting because that's, I mean, essentially exactly what it does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just, yeah, I had noticed that immediately I thought to read it backwards, but that's just because I'm so used to doing puzzles and escape rooms and things like that. So so on that mirror, I don't, I don't, can we jump to where it's used later? Sure. So, okay, so the mirror is what gets Harry the stone in the end. And Harry knows how it works by that point. So Dumbledore also gave him the invisibility cloak and Dumbledore later sees him at the mirror. Mm -hmm. So were those things intentionally planted because Dumbledore knew Harry would end up having to get the Sorcerer's Stone? I think so. And on the previous podcast episode, I kind of made the offhanded comment that Dumbledore sometimes plays puppet master. And this is what I was thinking of. He sometimes will time things just so it works out Mm -hmm. and he knows just enough and gives just enough inclination is that one of his powers that's ever like directly revealed like he can see the future or no um, no no. okay more of just like he just is seen as such a great wizard and what and Mm -hmm. his wisdom is like unparalleled so it's kind of like well yeah. Sure, why would he not have, like, know exactly what's going on? Mm-hmm. No one ever really questions how mm-hmm. he knows or what he knows. He just mm-hmm. does. Yeah, and I, I had a couple notes in here, too, just um, for other things that definitely, like, you know, um, like I had said, you know, he mentioned the third, like, in the beginning when he mentions don't go to this corridor. And then later um, he says something, too, again about, like, don't forget this or something like he brings it up again. And it's almost like to a point of like, Remember again, by it. saying it in order, oh, like saying, yeah. don't do this, but really saying, do it, you know, like kind of pushing him in that way. So yeah. Reverse psychology. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. But if exactly. he's doing that, I mean, he must have a sense that, I don't know, that someone's trying to get it. Is it like, is he, does he, is he thinking that Voldemort is actually, well, by reached a point where he can start coming back, kind of a thing. I don't know about that, but I know at this point they've already released the article that the um, Gringotts was broken into in that vault, particularly. Oh, so he would true. know for a fact that somebody so is after it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so he's just yeah. carrying the criminal, the thief. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know that he knows it's you know Voldemort yeah, or Corell or anything, but yeah. Um, and I guess we never hear how he got a tip, right? Yeah. To take no, the I don't think so. Out of yeah. So yeah. jumping to Neville, so a little while later, and Neville, and I can't remember what's happened here, but Malfoy's been picking on him or whatever, and, um, you know, um, and Harry says, uh, you're 12 of Malfoy, the sorting hat chose you for Gryffindor, didn't it? Gryffindor, didn't it? Um, and so I just made a note of, like, again, I think that we'll see more of Neville in the future. Like, I expect him to, like, end up being a, you know, uh, um, and unexpected hero or something so because is, like it's is, saying like the sorting hat knew he had some courage in him somewhere yeah. is this a um indirect dig at hufflepuff that neville should have been <laughs> <laughs> no no you feel targeted said, right now I feel targeted. yeah he 
says, where's Malfoy and stinking Slytherin, I'm not cheesy. Hufflepuff. So. I know. I know. Like, you think Neville fits more with Hufflepuff. Right? I can tell. I can see it. I can hear it. Um, uh, next with the elixir. So it talks about, like, you know, um, Nicholas Flamel. Right. And um, the Sorcerer's Stone and this elixir. And, and I just made a note, like, if it is an elixir, I don't understand why, like, why he would use, lose immortality with the stone being gone. Like, cause I would think that the elixir that was made from the stone was like, like the fountain of youth kind of thing. And once you've drank from it, you're immortal. So I just wonder, it just makes me question like, like vitamin. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like that they have to yeah. keep taking the elixir is interesting. Well, I feel like it's kind of an alternative to unicorn blood that we see later on. Like it's not a permanent solution. You have to kind of like re-prescribe. <laughs> you have to, oh, you have to get more like over time. You have to drink more of it. Okay, is kind of the way I saw it. Yeah, like it's a more humane it's like avenue. Death, okay. death becomes her to John. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And when they run yeah. out of the stuff, and they start to like, yeah, and then they look, go really, really quickly, very old. ugly and old. Yeah, and, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. oh, that a great movie. <laughs> Okay. Um, so here's a note again, what we were just talking about. So purposely reminding Harry of the mirror Dumbledore is because he says something about like, um, or say, um, nice to see you haven't been brooding about that mirror and keeping busy. Excellent. It's like, why did he mention that? You know, he, was, he saw it more than once now. Yeah. I think he yeah, wants to also give off the impression of being like omnipresent. Like, mm -hmm. I see you. I see yeah. yeah. Like, I have eyes everywhere, mm -hmm. which could also, being a headmaster, make it seem like stay out of trouble. But in this case, it could be also comforting of, like, I've got you. Like, don't mm -hmm. worry. You're safe. Yeah, for sure. Okay, first thing in Chapter 15 that I noticed. So, um after they've been caught on the astronomy tower and McGonagall catches them and she says, um, I think I've got an idea of what's going on here. It doesn't take a genius. You fed Malfoy some cock and bull story about a dragon. So I made a note, like, I think she knows that it's not a story that it really was true. But like, again, she's kind of, Hey, we're on the same page. Let's tell everybody. Tell everybody. It was a, a yeah, story. story yeah. And, you know, yeah. and so I just like that. Cause again, yeah, you see um, McGonagall kind of, and like we said earlier, whether she's, about you know team Gryffindor or Harry specifically or something but she's definitely helping him yeah. you know when she can mm -hmm. uh, I made a note too uh, and you kind of said something earlier about like the points the 150 points in Quidditch and all and I said it's odd to me that points in a game are the same like in the same category as points that they get for like discipline and other things so mm -hmm. it's kind of like the game is just as important as their studies and stuff mm -hmm. and their discipline so I just thought that was interesting because, like, you know, with us, mm -hmm. it's like a game is a game and then you have different rules for assignments, assignments and, and discipline and stuff. Yeah. So. And, the, and they seem to be all over the map, too. It's yeah. Like, very random of, yeah. like, the assigning a point. How did and, they get yeah. this many points yeah. to yeah. off? I'm going to see the rubric on that. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's like just whatever mood they're in. Which also I had a note. I skipped it earlier. But I said, I wonder if their students are better than ours. <laughs> <laughs> As, as far as actually doing their work. 
I mean, I probably would have been a much better student if I were learning how to turn, like, yeah. a teacup yes. into a puppy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, what's, the scene that made me write that is because they're talking about exams, you know. And oh, so yeah. I thought it was interesting because, you know, yeah, when you do see them doing the fun spells and stuff, they're enjoying it. But, like, when they have to study history of magic and all, they're like, oh, you know. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah. So I think they probably have the same issues we do as, yeah. you know, kids who don't want to do their work. So, <laughs> Um, next, so going into the Forbidden Forest, so I just said, what kind of school is this that that's their punishment, their detention is to go out into this forest where an evil creature is killing unicorns? Yeah. Like, let's put your lives in danger <laughs> with only Hagrid to protect them, who is a little chaotic, you know, like, mm -hmm. it just seemed odd. <laughs> well, and, and there's so many things there. Like, even, you know, we were talking about the staircases earlier. Yeah, and, right, yeah. Like, it does yeah, seem exactly. like a dangerous they place. put them in danger. Especially for 10, 11 year old kids. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Without their parents. Uh, the next note that I had noticed is uh, I put, like, um, how is Voldemort able to catch and kill the unicorns? Because they make mention of, like, that they're very fast creatures, that they're hard to catch. And Voldemort supposedly is very weak at this point. So I'm like, how do but you even plural, catch a unicorn? Plural's helping him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So well, I wonder what he is doing. Like, just in regular mythology about unicorns, so they can only be caught by, um, like, only be caught by a virgin, someone oh, pure yeah, yeah. and innocent. Um, so, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Because it even says, um, could a werewolf be killing him? Not fast enough. It's not easy to catch a unicorn. Mm -hmm. So, so like, where is even Corel? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. He, or it kind of makes you dark, think, it's dark art, how, so. how powerful is Voldemort if yeah. He's considered quote unquote weak, but he's still powerful enough to catch a unicorn. Maybe that like gives some indication of why people were so afraid of him and how powerful he was. Yeah, good point. Good point. Okay. Uh, later, when the um, centaurs come in, oh, right? Um, okay. Um, so, only thing I put down is like Ferrin, uh, Ferrin's says not to interfere, um, or no, Bane says not to interfere. Um, and so I just made a note, like, it's kind of like Dumbledore. Like, they also have, they've read the stars, they, you know, think they kind of know the fate, and, you know, so it's that whole idea, and this happens in Greek mythology a lot of, like, fate is fate, and you can't interfere. Like, you're not supposed yeah. to try to change things. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of foreshadowing, but I don't even think it's really fully addressed in this book. I think it's going to be foreshadowing for, like, the whole series but yeah so they talk about the heavens mm -hmm. and I, I feel like two of the i don't know their names i don't have my book but two of the centaurs were kind of discussing you know that's harry you know mm -hmm. don't basically don't help him because you can't go against what the heavens say and i think the last thing one of the centaurs tells harry is good luck i hope the planets are wrong mm -hmm. so yeah. obviously you know yeah fate or whatever is predicting that something bad will happen to Harry or he will get in a bad situation yeah. or make turn evil decisions. or yeah, yeah. I uh -huh. mean yeah yeah uh, he but says, I don't think it has to do with him going down to the Sorcerer's Stone there yeah no yeah. no I don't it's it's long term yeah absolutely yeah he says the planets have been read wrongly before yes. now even by centaurs I hope this is one of those times so for rims, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think I don't think that was talking about the Sorcerer's Stone. I no. think that's far in the future of what is fated to happen to him. So, and think without giving any spoilers, there are mm -hmm. several instances that immediately come to mind that I'm they could have would assume that they would be referring to. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, chapter 16. So my first note is, um, I really wish we had an anti-cheating spell. Yep. That would be nice. <laughs> um, yeah. What we do is um. called the act of monitoring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sir. Um, how did Corel get a dragon egg? Because he gives the dragon egg to Hagrid to distract him, right? But how did he get it? Well, to get him to tell him about well, Fluffy, but how did he get a dragon egg? Correct me if I'm wrong. So, at the end, didn't Quarrel say something about going into, like, the Albanian forest? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then doesn't mm -hmm. Ron's older brother... Yes, he works with dragons. In it? So, I think they're Albania, just, right? Yes. Albania. Romania. Romania. Okay, so but they're close. all in yeah. yeah. But I Europe. did wonder if there was a connection there. I do yeah. remember reading that. But, but the dragon so the is a Norwegian Ridgeback. Well. But. I feel like it's just kind of like the black market. You can, yeah. okay. you can yeah. find It'd what you It'd be something you could get and if you wanted it. And it's not like they're it, not, yeah. they're just not allowed at Hogwarts, right? Right. It's not like they don't exist. Right. Or they're right. difficult to get. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe nocturnally. So just, just a black, yeah, like you said, the black market kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, Poor Hagrid. He's <laughs> so naive. He just cares so much. Yeah. And he loves creatures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So when they're, they're going for... Right before they're going to go down and try to catch Quirrell themselves, they go for Dumbledore. And McGonagall says Dumbledore's just been sent for by the Ministry of Magic, right? Um, and I just put a note. Um, do y'all think Quirrell specifically did that? Or do you think that that was, like, part of... Are there more people helping him? Yeah. Is that part of a larger plan? Or was that... I mean, it couldn't be purely coincidence, right? Or was it right? a fake request? Was it a fake? Because it does yeah. say that Dumbledore gets there and realizes immediately, yeah. no, this is not where I need to right. be. Right, right. So he wasn't supposed to go. But. Does Quirrell not, is that not part of his, his, his ranting, his monologuing? I don't think so. Harry when gets Harry. to him at the end. I don't think he says he, anything about it. Oh, we can I, look I, when I, we get there, but I don't. Yeah, I think he might he, have. But. I think there is a part where... He said, yeah, he sent him that fake. Yes. Request. Oh, okay. Maybe so. I think I'm you're sorry. right. Yeah. I won't waste our time finding when it, but we'll just say, yeah. When he's doing classic villain monologue. Just, yeah. 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 yeah, right. Exactly, right where yeah. I watch yeah. And it's like, I'm going to explain my... Yeah. all this time. Very uh, 007, right? Yes. Like, the villains always do that. James Bond, like, here's how I did this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Whole Even plan. in The Incredibles, um, there's a part where he's like, what, and now you've got me monologue. That's yeah. what I was, thinking. I was thinking of the part from The Incredibles. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this, again, is going to, like, Dumbledore knowing what's supposed to happen, knowing, all-knowing, you know, and, like, um. so I just made a note, like, he gives him back the cloak. Hagrid gives him a flute. Like, they're setting him up for all the things that he needs to past these challenges you know so um anyway it just definitely speaks for the fact that maybe they are aware of what's happening um later when they get to the door so it says um uh, a few seconds later they were at the uh, you know the door the door was already ajar well there you are snape's already been here if the door was open why didn't fluffy leave He's was massive. it the door or the um, um, trap door that was uh, ajar? I assumed the door. But... Did they 
Is it Alohomora, the door? Or no. Is it open? It's outside the third it? floor corridor, and the door was already ajar. Yeah, yeah, Fluffy. But maybe just because he, really he can't fit through the door, yeah. or maybe Why because he he's, he knows he's supposed to guard the oh, yeah. trap door, maybe? Chain. Well, at least so. in the movie, he did have a, a chain on. Oh. He had a chain, but also don't they get in and there's already music playing? So he's already asleep. Oh, that's in the movie, I think. Because I think here... Well, then how do um, they get past Fluffy? Yeah, I think he must have already been asleep. No, no, because he has to play the flute. Oh, that's right. Oh, that there's already the something in the, going. Right? In the movie, in the, movie, the harp enchanted. is uh, the oh, harp okay. is enchanted. But here, yeah, because he, um, because he says um, the dog's noses sniff madly in their direction. Mm. What's that? His feet looks like a harp. Snape must have been here. It must wake up the moment you stop playing. Well, here goes. He puts Hagrid's flute okay. to his lips and he blows. Okay. So, like, he has to start playing. So, yeah, in the movie, they have the harp still playing. It's magic, yeah. But, well, I think that but, perhaps... And maybe, maybe it's just because I did see the movie before I read the first book, so I always pictured Fluffy as just, like, this magic. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think he would be, yeah. So maybe yeah, he just can't get out the door. Yeah, mm -hmm. makes sense, but... Um, all right. So as they go through the challenges... Um, and at first, I was keeping count, so I was just saying, like, um, so the first challenge, obviously, Harry gets them through by playing the flute, um, and then they have the Devil's Snare, Hermione gets them through that one, um, and then they have the, you know, the keys, and so that's Harry again, and then, um, then the chess set, which is Ron, right, um, and then... The potions, which is Hermione again, right? And then, oh, and the troll's in there, but he's already taken care of, so nobody so gets that. So, was, anyway. Did, now, Quirrell himself did one of the spells, right? Was he, he, the was the he was yeah. the troll. He was the troll. And so the troll's already down so when they go. So what is his with trolls, and what does this have to do with the troll coming in the night of? Um, he was um, a distraction. Yeah. So I think he that was, was trying to go over... I think maybe he was probably trying to, yeah, he was going to attempt it that night, maybe. But that's when Snape so, yeah. picked up on it and followed him, right? Followed him. Or okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I digress. No, but no, yeah, that's the, good. Yeah. The troll was already out. Um, so I made a couple notes. I looked into some chess history here, or chess things. Um, so a bishop is equal to a knight. So that was interesting because um, Ron tells um, Harry to take the part of the bishop. Right, and he takes the part of the knight, and then he gives Hermione the rook position. A rook is actually a higher value and stronger. So I just thought that was interesting that he didn't take the rook position. Um, and to me, it just speaks to maybe he knew even from the beginning, like how he would play out the game, maybe, and he so he knew himself. that he was going to sacrifice himself in the beginning. Perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, also, notice like a bishop is tends to be, um, and this is all from like chess stuff the ecclesiastical messenger um which kind of speaks for what harry is in a way like this mythical like holy you know like yeah. everybody kind of sees him as that i thought that was interesting um a rook is a fortress or chariot right um and hermione to me again just seems very like very steadfast very you know studious so you said um, a rook is of higher, higher value. value, and that's what Ron assigned Hermione as. Mm -hmm. That makes my heart so warm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it, so he puts her at a higher position. And everyone um, that's read every all of the books yeah. will know why. <laughs> why? 
Um, and then a knight is obviously a fighter and sacrificial, like, and even in the rules, it says like the knight is the most, e the easiest piece to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. So, Interesting. so again, I think he knew he might have to sacrifice himself when he took those positions. So. And once again, it's one of those things that did JK Rowling do this research to, mm -hmm. was it that mm -hmm. intentional? As yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or is it just like she wrote it out and then people assigned this kind of like yeah. correlations and yeah. she's just like, oh, okay, yeah, or we'll like, go with that. Yeah, guy. like me yeah. researching this and I just yeah. made that all up, you know, who knows? I don't know. But it's, um, yeah. I mean, if it was intentional, like, dang. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm even more impressed. Okay, um, the next challenge was the potions and again, the puzzle person in me, like I tried to actually do Mm -hmm. The potion challenge, and unfortunately, you can't do it because one of the clues is has to do with the large, the the dwarf nor giant, and of course, we can't see these potions, so we don't know which one is the biggest and which one's the smallest. True. But what I did work out, um, if you did the seven lines, like I was able to figure out that it would be um, in order: death, wine, and then the next two, whichever is the smallest, would be obviously the one that goes forward. Whichever is the largest would be. Um, death, and then death, wine, and then backwards. So, hmm. Yeah. So most That's of it works really out. Like, yeah. yeah. I love puzzles like that. Um, puzzle minded. Okay. I would. I read through that and I was just like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it works. She got it. Um. So later, um, when Hermione's leaving and um, Harry says that she's a great wizard, she says, "Books and cleverness. There are more important things: friendship and bravery." Right, and I just noticed, I put down, like, theme, because <laughs> that just definitely seems like the theme of this first book, at least, that it's, like, you know. Absolutely. What, what makes a great wizard is not just, you know, cleverness books or even learning spells, but, you know, friendship, care. Right, the moral you know. of the story yeah, is exactly. not really about the magic and the wizards. Yeah. Uh, so when you get to the mirror, so I made a question of, like, why did they even need all the other challenges if the true thing of the mirror is only he who would want the stone but not want to use it could get it? Mm -hmm. So, like, that seems pretty foolproof to me. So, I'm like, why all the other challenges if he could never get it out of the mirror? <laughs> hmm. I guess just extra protection, but it just, yeah. I was just kind of like, because why did we need all that? They wanted to make sure it was in a place that was even more secure than Green Gods. And I feel mm -hmm. like. They thought that well, maybe you, no one could break into Green Gods. Maybe so. the others were just a distraction. So they couldn't just go in there and try to take it, right? It made it so yeah. where people would just completely avoid it. True, true, yeah. Or just it would take him longer to get his power back to be able to go through there yeah. to do it. I think maybe yeah. it wasn't the real security. Maybe it was just the mirror. But or, wait a minute. The mirror was not in there the whole time. Or true. Was it? Or are there two mirrors? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So when did they put the mirror in there? <laughs> well, maybe so. Maybe Dumbledore did know that somebody was trying to get through these tests, and then maybe and once he, he saw added the mirror, the mirror he's like, you know what? I'll put that yeah, in there. Yeah, put that in there as an end thing. It's a good point. Maybe yeah. Okay. Yeah, that is a good point because mm. if it had been in there the whole time, Harry would have never right. encountered mm -hmm. it. So it had to have been moved at some point. Maybe you know new information. He's like, okay, now we need this. Yeah. Or I can see yeah. where this is going. Yeah. Now let me put this in there so he can. Yep. All right. Um, that was all my notes other than the moral alignment chart. So do you have anything else you want to say about the end? Um, so at the very end, um, when Harry wakes up and Dumbledore's with him, and he is asking, you know, he's like, I have all these questions. He said, well, I'll answer what I can. Mm -hmm. 
you know, some things you'll have to wait till later. And um, so Harry found out from Voldemort that he went to his house to kill Harry, not to kill his parents, which is what the rumors were, that Harry was just an innocent bystander and he just happened to survive his wrath. But so we learned that, no, he actually went to kill Harry and Harry was protected because of mother's love, right? Mm -hmm. um, so she sacrificed herself to save Harry is what I'm kind of understanding. But so Harry asks Dumbledore, why would he want to kill a baby? And Dumbledore says, I can't answer I can't that answer now. That so now. I know yeah. that's obviously, but I've, I've seen and read the second book. So I know it doesn't come out. So I almost feel like that's something way in the future. Yeah. But it, it just, is. so my question, I mean, I know you can't answer it because it would be spoilers. <laughs> but so my question is, why does Voldemort want to kill Harry? Is it because Harry's his competitor? Is it because Harry can kill him? Is it because there's something else that's going to happen to the future? So he has to get rid of Harry so that doesn't happen, which kind of also alludes to the centaur predictions and right. Dumbledore knowing that he was going to get to the Sorcerer's Stone. So is Harry. So do yes. they know everything? Like, do they know <laughs> They're everything? They're just like, that's yes, to all of the above. Yes. The or whatever. So. Uh, I mean, without giving it away, like, the answer to those questions, like, I think it is known. Like, they do. I'm not saying anything yeah. for fear of accidentally Actually slipping out. Yeah. Okay. So, well, we'll but just leave it at that. You're we'll on to something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At some point, you Obviously will know. Yeah. And I did not realize the first time around reading this that Harry wasn't just the innocent baby that was in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then my yeah. only last thing, and just Well, that's quick. something, too, that, oh, yeah. um, like, at least in the first movie like it may that, not come that, that doesn't come out oh, in the first know. movie that, that, that yeah huh. um, okay so um yeah it kind of gets us to the end so any more thoughts yeah so um my only other thought for the end of the book and i remember i felt this way when i watched the movies too i don't understand why he has to stay with the dursleys so i'm sure it's important and i'm sure there's a reason but um yeah there's like a, there's a definite reason there is mm -hmm. okay because like why did they drop him off as a baby if these people didn't want him and then mm -hmm. i just think about in reality if a kid really grew up that way like neglected and the not in love right and, yeah where's like, child oh my gosh services? how is he still so normal <laughs> yeah um but but then too you know he gets to hogwarts and you're like okay finally he's free and then he has to go back, mm -hmm. which he seems a little excited to get to use his magic mm -hmm. on, um, what, what's his cousin's name? Dudley. Dudley, Dudley mm -hmm. yeah. Although not but, use it because he's not allowed to use it. But right, but they don't Fake him right. out with yeah, it. Right. Yeah. They yeah. threaten yeah. to because they don't uh, know, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. That just really bothered me, like, picturing if that were me and having to go back to live with that hateful family. So yeah, There's a definite reason as to why he has to go back and call their house home okay but it's not revealed yet yeah and so later on in the series it talks about the significance of that so are they aware of it because my other thought is if they hate him so much why do they take him i think that it has a lot to do with the fact that petunia feels guilt on how she wasn't on speaking terms with lily when lily oh, gotcha. died and so it's more of like a obligatory okay Guilt. We talked yeah. about that at the beginning of the book. You weren't with us then. So, okay. Yeah, but gotcha. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay.
Okay. Okay, cool. So um, we will end, we're going to end um, when we get to the end of a book. For each book, we're going to go through the kind of the D&D morality alignment chart um, and kind of give our predictions based just solely on what's happened in this book. Um, and then we'll see from book to book how this changes and how the characters change. Um, so I know... Um, again, just the main two from the muggle side and then Alex, you're kind of magical, but still trying to rely just on this yeah, book and what you know from was, this book, I'm sure it was difficult because <laughs> they did. do change, I'm sure. But I tried to be as unbiased as possible. Okay. That's my personal feelings towards characters that develop more in the series. All right. So let's start with, um, we'll go, um, kind of across the top with, um, good lawful or lawful, lawful good. good. Yeah. Okay. Starting with lawful good. So who did you put? I put... Hermione and Neville. Okay. I put Hermione. Okay. Um, neutral good. I put Hagrid, Dumbledore, and McGonagall. Okay. Was I supposed to just do one? You could have just, yeah. No, but that's fine. Oh, okay. You can do more. Um, I just did one for each. So okay. I actually put Harry in the neutral good. Um, hmm. And I think this is just coming from only reading the one book, knowing like, um, because I do think, um, I guess I should have explained. I'll go kind of jump back and just say like, for those who don't know the morality chart. So, um, what we're talking about right now is lawful means that they follow rules. They always go by the rules. Um, neutral means that they sometimes follow rules, but they also won't. And then chaotic, they rarely follow rules. They just kind of do their own thing. But right now we're talking about the good, that good bar kind of across the top. So so they're always working for good, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, Harry, like he broke some of the rules. Like he did things he wasn't supposed to, um, but he obviously is still working for good. So that's why I put him there. Um, okay, chaotic good. Uh, I put Harry slash Ron. Okay, I put Hagrid because I think Hagrid Ooh, actually yeah. breaks more so. rules than mm -hmm. you know, like he kind of is a little bit chaotic, you know. So, okay, all right. So, moving to the next line, um, again, we'll go you know, lawful, neutral, chaotic, but looking at neutral, so they aren't necessarily for good, they aren't necessarily for evil, they can kind of go both ways. So, lawful, neutral, I put Snape and Filch. Okay. I also put Filch. Um, okay. So that's good. Uh, true neutral. I didn't put anyone for true neutral or chaotic neutral. Okay. I could not think of a single character that I thought fit those. So I put Snape as true neutral. Um, just because, again, only knowing book one, like I can't quite figure him out. And there was some questions about his kind of mysterious behavior and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of put him in that box because I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen with him and where he's going to go. Um, and chaotic neutral, I'll put Peeves. Oh, Peeves that was definitely such like a good one. He's not good, he's not bad, but he's definitely causing chaos all Dang, the time, I right? I didn't put Peeves yeah. on here. Okay. Um, okay, and then the last row is the evil, so those who are working for evil. So lawful evil would mean that they still follow rules, but they're typically just kind of bad people. I put Vernon and Petunia. Ooh. I hate them so okay. much. Yep. Yeah. I put the Dursleys. There we go. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just didn't put them by their first name. Um, <laughs> neutral evil. Um, I put Draco and Quarrel. Okay, yeah, and I put Quarrel as well. Quarrel? Quarrel? I call them different things. Anyway, um, yeah, because he is definitely evil but again kind of follows some rules and then kind of doesn't yeah. um and that's maybe Voldemort's control over him mm -hmm. and chaotic evil um I literally put he who shall not be named oh, okay I guess I'm more like Harry because I put Voldemort so I named him <laughs> oh no okay all right so yeah so that's kind of our alignment charts um pretty close on a lot of those so um it'll be interesting to see how those characters change as we go through the different books and who changes and they wear. Will. 
Yeah. They definitely will. Yeah. For sure. And more characters will appear. Yeah. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, you're going to have different... Yeah. Some of the um, most major characters in the series have not appeared yet, so yeah. that's it. something to look forward to. All right. Good deal. All right. Any last-minute notes? No. Stray observations? No, All right. Well, yeah. thank you for joining us, Thanks Beth. We appreciate me. it, and um, we look forward to having you again on another one in the future. So Sounds keep good. on I reading. I look forward to it. Yeah. I'm excited for book two. All right. Yeah. All right. Have a good one, guys. Uh, our next podcast will be over um, the first movie. So we'll get that out as soon as we can. Um, but until then, just continue to follow us, Magic VSM, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and you can listen to our podcast pretty much wherever podcast pod. No, wherever. What did I put it on my Twitter? I said wherever pods cast. You can listen to us. So. <laughs> I like it. All right. All right. Bye. 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 Thank <laughs> you.